and welcome to another episode of Getting Off the Hamster Wheel, how to find a career that brings you joy, fulfillment, and success. My name is Karen Weeks, and today we have Dr. Thea Zunick joining us to share her story about how she started in a career in student life, and then after some time exploring where her journey would take her, found a role that focuses on supporting the mental health of college students, which of course tied beautifully to her background in higher ed. So let's jump in and hear Thea's story. Hi, everybody. We are so excited to have Thea with us today. Um, Thea, if you could just share a high level of who you are and a little bit about yourself, and we'll go from there. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to dig into this conversation topic as it's something that really resonates deeply with me. I currently work at the Jed Foundation, which is a nonprofit that protects emotional health and prevents suicide for teens and young adults. It's an incredible opportunity to affect change on people everywhere. And before that, I was in student affairs on several different campuses. I worked four campuses, primarily in the Northeast, definitely a Jersey gal through and through. I did try to leave temporarily, but realized after two years down in the South in Florida <laughs> that I was not cut out for that. And so here I am back in Jersey where I belong. <laughs> it pulled you back in. Yeah, it has a way of doing that. Kind of like the Jersey Shore, all that good stuff. Um, don't take what you see on that TV show. For, you know, that's not what it is, I'm not going to tell you. Okay, maybe a little bit, but mostly not. <laughs> I feel like that's most things. So being from New England, you know, we don't all sound like the guy from Pet Cemetery. We don't all sound like the people from Goodwill Hunting. Yes, clearly there are <laughs> folks like that, but that is not everybody. <laughs> right. Um, and I guess a couple of other fun facts about me. I love food and fitness. Anybody who meets me right away understands that I have a deep passion for both of those areas. And I think that really ties into some of the work that I did in student affairs and even do now at JED because we're a public health organization. So when I get to talk about fitness and how it supports and weaves into what I do at JED, I get real excited. That's, I love that because it's really about taking care of the whole self. So it's, it's the physical part, it's the mental part, it's, it's every piece of you needs to be healthy and in sync in order to be a, a healthy person. Oh, 100%. In fact, Karen, in my email for many, many years on my signature, um, anyone who's in student affairs will laugh when I say this, but you need to like put your whole resume in that signature, especially any kind of personality inventory, quotes that you like, your LinkedIn meetings, all that stuff. And I always had this quote that said, don't just train part of the dancer, train the whole dancer. Mm. It's not verbatim, but pretty much that was the essence of it. And that to me was the essence of how I approached my work is looking at students and the whole perspective and focusing on all pieces of the student, not just on one particular one. And I loved it, especially because I grew up as a dancer, still dance now, never want to say I used to be a dancer. <laughs> if you get really interested, there may or may not be one or two videos of me dancing on TikTok. <laughs> Listen, strange things happen when you're in quarantine. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> See, when I think of social media links for people's bios, I ask for LinkedIn and Facebook. Clearly, I need to be going for TikTok now as well. I mean, if you want some entertainment, you might want to. 
So talk a little bit more about uh, student affairs. So I think, you know, when we're in college, we know it exists, but we may or may not really understand it. And so what, what was it that drew you to that field after school and, and what did it actually exist of? So you're totally right. No one goes to college thinking, I'm going to major in student affairs. You know, <laughs> I'm going to do something. Now, some folks go to school and they say, I want to be a professor. I want to teach. That's more common. But we never stop to think, well, there's all these other people at these universities who are doing things. How did they get to that point? Mm -hmm. And I had an interesting collegiate career. I first left high school to pursue a performing arts career. Mm -hmm. And in between tours that I was on, I used to take class at community college because it was very easy to apply and get in at the time. Mm -hmm. It was smaller class sizes and the professors were more flexible when I had to all of a sudden take off in the middle of a semester to go on tour. And I was always able to work with them to complete my coursework. And once I spent a couple of semesters in community college, I started becoming involved as a student and quickly rose to becoming president of the student government and had some conversations with someone who is still a mentor to me this day, who was working in the student activities office. She may have been the director of student activities at the time. And she had mentioned to me the student affairs thing and I just kind of brushed it off because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm ended up at a four-year institution. I went to the College of New Jersey to complete my bachelor's work. I loved being a student there and naturally became very involved. And I was on the dance team. I was in a sorority. I worked for housing. I was an orientation guide, <laughs> um, student government. You know, I was the vice president of student affairs. Go figure. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, I had all the hallmark signs of someone who was destined to go into student affairs. It just took someone who um, was the VPSA at the time, the vice president of student affairs to say to me, have, have you ever thought about the student affairs thing? I'm like, you're not the first person to say this, but I'm ready to hear it now. Interesting. Yeah, so learned a lot about different programs, eventually settled on University of Florida, went there for two years and had a great education, great experience, completely different than the College of New Jersey, mm -hmm. which is what I wanted. And it ultimately helped me figure out what type of institution I wanted to work at. Mm -hmm. So ended up pretty much majoring in being involved. <laughs> um, and continued to grow my career, found a passion for fraternity and sorority life in my first role and ended up seeking out a couple of positions prior to my first role, uh, post my first role, to focus more on that area, but then still continue to grow and develop as a professional. And in my last position in higher education, I ended up in a directorship position, which oversaw multiple offices, including the Department of Res Life, International Student Services, Student Activities, Orientation, you name it, we were looking over it. Um, so it allowed me to become more of a generalist once again, and also afforded me the opportunity to supervise 10 staff members, which wow. to me was one of the pinnacle pieces of my experience because I originally got into student affairs because I loved the ability to impact students. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, there's so much learning that happens outside of the classroom that we get to do. Yeah. But then 
as you move up in the ranks, your connections with students aren't as frequent mm -hmm. and you start investing in the professionals who are that front line. And I had the incredible opportunity to work with some really talented staff members, whether they were a graduate assistant to an administrative assistant to folks who are leading departments currently. And I think it's so interesting because I've heard that from people in a lot of different industries that as they got more senior, they got less connected to the work that they originally brought them to that industry or that role. And either that's a moment where they go, oh, this is okay because like I like managing or I like doing this or I like doing that. Or it's a moment where they go, I actually don't need that and I want to stay more connected either as an individual contributor or this is a time for me to change industries because I can learn something new. Um, was that part of your journey into something else or what sort of prompted you to take a different step forward? You know, it was a lot of things. Um, the last couple of years in higher education and student affairs, my goal was to become a vice president of student affairs. Mm -hmm. And I think that goal was partially my own drive to want to rise to a leadership position, but it also became what other people figured I would do. It was almost an expectation that because I was doing the work that I was doing, because I was so deeply ingrained and devoted to my professional association, NASPA, and had a position on the regional board and presented at all these different conferences and clearly was dedicated to a career in student affairs. Um, also did this you know, whole doctoral journey and uh, graduated and I guess it was, gosh, it was like 2017 already. It's been a wow. couple of years with my doctorate from Rutgers University in the design of learning environments. So I was doing all the things that you're supposed to do mm -hmm. to get to the place of becoming a vice president. But then I started to think about, is this really what I want? Yeah. And as you learn more about positions and you kind of grow and surround yourself with people who are in that role, I said, wow, I've learned a little bit too much about what this actually is mm. compared to what I thought it was. And I began to question, is this the right path for me? Mm -hmm. Is this something that people expect me to do and I expect of myself because I'm a high achiever and that's why I'm doing this? Or is this really what I'm meant to do? Yeah. And I wasn't sure anymore. It's so interesting because I went through a similar journey, actually more in my personal life about like what it meant to be at a certain stage or a certain age. And I realized I was doing things for other people, not because it was actually what was bringing me joy or how I wanted to decorate my apartment. And I, I wonder if more people actually have those moments of, oh, I got down this path because I thought I was supposed to, or I'm really good at it. So of course I should follow that. Why would I ever want to make a change? Um, and I think there are, are moments in our life, they're not about an age, but, you know, for other drivers that make us take a step back and reconsider, do I actually want to keep doubling down on this or do I want to take this as a moment and go down a different path? Yeah, I agree. And I think that there are some things about higher education that are very confusing and convoluted right now. And I began to second guess myself as to whether or not this is where I wanted to be at this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be totally transparent. Yeah. I think I think the future of higher education is unclear. And I said, I'm I'm not sure if I see myself 
in this field in 10 to 15 years anymore as the landscape has continued to change. And that's a conversation I've had openly with anyone who's wanted to talk to me about my journey in higher ed. Um, I mentor a lot of young professionals or undergraduates who want to go into higher education. I've been an adjunct professor at a couple of institutions. And while I absolutely deep in my soul believe in higher education and the experience that it provides for students and the work that student affairs does, I just didn't know if it was for me at this time. Yeah. And so you've invested time, money, schooling, everything to go down this path. So how did you figure out what was going to be next instead of staying in higher ed? Yeah. So I started thinking about what was it about the positions that I've held that I loved? What was I really good at? Yeah. And that takes some humility to think about what am I actually good at? What am I not good at? It takes strength in talking to some other people whom you trust who are in your inner circle to say, what do you think about this? What could you see me doing other than student affairs? And a lot of people were taken aback when I said that I was even thinking about this. They're like, you, <laughs> you, I said, it will be okay. It, I, I promise you, you know, if I happen to quote unquote, leave the field, I can come back, you know, <laughs> it's not like I'm taking a rocket ship into outer space with one can of fuel. I can come back. <laughs> Um, so it was an interesting conversation to have with some folks. And the other thing that I did is I do a ton of volunteer work, mm -hmm. especially centered on the experience that fraternity and sorority members have, mm -hmm. and then also student leaders have. And I had to think about when I volunteer, what is it that I'm drawn to? Mm -hmm. When people ask me to volunteer for them, what is it about my skill set that asks them to ask me? Mm -hmm. So it took a lot of introspection. Yeah. It took some time and it took a lot of research. And then what I started to do is once I narrowed down a couple of fields or functional areas that I thought I would be interested and good at, I started doing a lot of informational interviews. Mm -hmm. I reach out to people who I thought were interesting, who I might have something in common with, who were doing something that I could see myself doing. Mm -hmm. And just said some open dialogue with them. And by and large, I found that people were very generous with their time, especially if when you touch base with them, you clearly define what the purpose of the conversation was, what you needed from them, and why it was important. Mm -hmm. And that's originally how you and I got connected yeah, because yeah. I was listening to you on the hacking HR webinar and I was like, this woman is amazing. I need to talk to her. <laughs> and I, I'm so grateful to all of the people who took the time out of their day to talk with me because ultimately it helped me get to where I am now. Yeah. And in turn, I'm paying it back as much as I can. In fact, I had a really great conversation with a very, very dear friend and colleague last night. And we, he's, he said, do you have time for a quick question? I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about doing what you just did, but how do you do it? And when do you know? And I said, all right, friend, 
let's dig in. <laughs> An hour and a half later, we were in a good place. Oh, well, and I think the meeting interesting people is so key. It just in life, because you never know what you're going to learn from that conversation. You never know where it's going to lead. It may just lead to knowing an interesting person. Um, right. And, you know, it doesn't have to lead to something, you know, the next job or whatever. And, and to your point about paying it forward, when I started this podcast, you were one of the first people I thought of because I knew your journey and we had had that connection and I knew you had a great personality and would be a good guest, but we, we had that initial connection and, you know, we've chatted a little bit since, but it's not like we talk every week or whatever, but when you make an impression on someone, they remember you when mm -hmm. something is going on in their life next and they need someone like you. No, well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. So especially, I know you were piecing things together while you were doing all this self-reflection. You did some consulting, you did some coaching until you found your full-time job. Did you ever consider staying in that independent world or did you always know you were going to find like another job, quote unquote? So I had some conversations with very good friends of mine who are full-time speakers, presenters, and consultants. And I learned a lot from those discussions and they were very transparent. And the more I learned about what their experience is, the more I said, hmm, I like doing this part-time as a side gig. And I think it's something that I still want to continue to have in my life as an option. However, I am somebody who prefers a structured environment where I know that I work full time for a specific company and what I do fully is dedicated to that. Mm -hmm. And so that's pretty much when I made the decision to keep speaking, presenting and coaching to a part time mm -hmm. gig and search for whatever that was going to be full time for me. And it's, it was definitely the right choice. I, mm -hmm. I felt that in my gut. And even though I love, like, if I could talk on a different college campus every single day, I would love that. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but I also know that I love the predictability mm -hmm. of working in a full time. And you know what I realized? I've already had that same discussion with myself many, many years ago. And it was when I was in high school. And I had the opportunity to tour full time mm -hmm. as a dancer and actor and singer and did that for three years. Our show went equity, which wow. was really cool. Like, yeah. wow. <laughs> and so I have this equity card and I'm like, this is, this is a key to many doors. Mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity to pursue a career when I was finished with the tour mm -hmm. and I was called for another tour and I thought about it and I said, you know, this would be really exciting. <laughs> However, the performing arts industry is so unpredictable and as yes. exciting as it is when you land a job and you get to perform on stage for people all the time. I said, I need something consistent and stable. Mm -hmm. I need that. And so I realized that that's, that's how I operate best. Yeah. And it wasn't until I moved into this position and I was started reflecting on the much earlier years of Thea's life <laughs> that I realized I'm like, I've already had this discussion with myself. <laughs> you know, when you're as old as I am, sometimes things that happened <laughs> 20-something years ago, you don't totally get. And people are like doing math right now. That's like, oh, she's that old. <laughs> 
I know, but you know what? I can still blend in with the college students. Don't you worry. I bet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think too, the, it's funny that you tell that story about going on tour because that was exactly what happened to me when I was deciding if I was going to stay in theater or not was when I, all of a sudden, when stage management was my livelihood and how am I going to pay rent? Where am I going to be based for this month, this season, this whatever? I now also had a husband who I, in theory, wanted to see every once in a while. Um, And so going on tour was not going to be the right option. And so I, as much as I loved the work in the community and, and I miss theater, that lifestyle was not right for me. And I wouldn't have known that until I got out of school and actually started living it. In college, I was doing it while in school or in the summers, which is a very different uh, need in your life. Um, so I think sometimes you have to experience it in order to be able to make that decision for yourself. I agree. And sometimes that's when that's when the student affairs stuff really comes into play because you are shepherding students through that process of figuring out what's best for them, what their identities are and how that all intersects. And it can be a really messy process, but really exciting and invigorating when you figure some of that out. And, you know, I was honored to be able to work directly with and watch some of these students grow. And even to this day, I am in touch with many of the students that I advised and sometimes they'll still reach out to me for advice or to share a breakthrough that they had, or you remember when we had that discussion 15 <laughs> years ago and you said this, I just got it. <laughs> so it's, it's something that I, I'm so grateful that I had these experiences uh, with the students and the staff that I worked with. Um, mm-hmm. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Wouldn't trade it at all. So how did you put all that together to then figure out, okay, so if I am going to get an internal job, in an organization that is still feeding those things that I loved, how did you go about finding what kind of companies or roles made sense for you? So I was looking at two different areas. I was looking at L&D, training and development for within human resources. And then I was also looking at nonprofit organizations that were loosely or even tightly connected to universities. Mm-hmm. So for me, the opportunity to be in an environment that focused on learning um, and then also my ability to train and develop other people that needed to be present. Yeah. Uh, I also care deeply about the mission of whatever organization that I work for. Mm -hmm. That's something that I look at when I'm potentially applying for a position and interviewing, but not only just the words on the paper, but the action behind it. Yeah. And so I looked at things like, if you value diversity, equity, and inclusion, and your website is a whole bunch of white identified people, I'm like, well, I don't see the congruency here, so yeah. maybe this isn't for me. Um, if it's some, they say they value teaching and learning and professional development, and you see right on their website all of the different things that they have their employees engage in, or even during your interview process to ask those questions, is how do the people who work for you continuously learn and become yeah. better humans? And so there's, there's a lot of different things. And those are, they're all, they were all variables that I looked at when I was looking at different companies. And when I was interviewing, I spouted all of the reasons why I was sitting in that chair in front of them. And I think a lot of people weren't necessarily prepared for that. I said, but that's my higher ed showing right there. (laughs) Um, And ultimately I had my interview with the Jed foundation and I remember it so distinctly. I remember sitting in a coffee shop 
with my now boss and just the conversation flowed and before we knew it we had ideas of what and how things could go if I were to work for them and I knew walking out of that space I said this is it this is where I want to be this is where I want to work and this is who I want to work for Mm -hmm. I was just so incredibly impressed not only by my my current boss but also the mission and the way in which it carried itself for the Jed Foundation yeah and Another reason why I loved it is because it allowed me to still be loosely connected to universities mm-hmm. and working for an organization that bettered the experience for these collegiate students and people who are eventually going to enter into that age bracket, even if they don't go to college, because mm-hmm. we still make sure that we connect with young adults because sometimes they are most vulnerable yeah. to having challenges with mental health or struggling with suicidal thoughts because they don't have that support network that universities and colleges provide. Sure. Yeah, they get sort of thrown right into real life without any sort of transition that often the university helps them go through. Right. And so I remember having the conversation with Adi, who's my boss right now, and I said, this, this is where I want to be. Wow. That's awesome. So it just, it worked out. I Every day that I sign on to my computer, I used to say, enter the office. (laughs) Um, But in these times, it's a little bit different. I am so grateful to work for this organization. I am so grateful that this is where I landed because I will be honest, deciding to leave higher education and find a new path and pivot slightly and enter into the nonprofit world. Although I did a lot of things that were super nonprofit beforehand. Mm-hmm. And every time I do something, I'm like, oh, I, d- I did something like this already. <laughs> it's just in a different context. But I had some great support. Uh, my family was amazing. They mm-hmm. love me every day and I'm so grateful for them. I have some friends who are even better to me than some of my family members. Yeah. And, and people who believed in me. And no matter how difficult each day was while I was going through this introspective process, I felt like I had my people if yeah. I needed it. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm in a great place. I am so proud of the work that we do. And it feels good. It feels yeah. really, really good. That's amazing. And you can so tell the way you describe it. Like your, you know, your face lights up, you feel, you can hear the passion in your voice. It's so obvious that you have found the right uh, home for you. Um, and I, I cannot agree more, whatever you want to call it around you, they mm-hmm. will keep you accountable. They'll keep you on your toes. They will support you. They will pick you up. They will say, yes, let's do this. It's scary, but I'm right there with you. And if you don't have those folks in your life or you, or you have other folks that are not that, push them to the side, gone, keep the people around you. Again, not the yes people, but like that will be mm-hmm. there for you. Oh, because you um, need your no people too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You need to say, really? I think that's a good idea. But then, but talk through it, not be just naysayers. Yeah. Um, that's wonderful. Well, uh, you've sprinkled advice in throughout, but any sort of key advice or any sort of in summary thing that you want to leave people with? Like if they only take one thing away from this, what's something that they should think about or what advice would you give? I would say one of the number one things I would encourage people to take away from this is to believe in yourself. When 
you're faced with a difficult decision, believe in yourself that you have it in you to figure out the what's next and that you can do this and you're capable of it. And no matter how difficult it gets, you will find your way. That's amazing. I think that is maybe the best advice we've had so far. Um, thank you so much, Thea, for sharing your stories, your advice, your vulnerability. Um, your information will be uh, in or is in the write-up. So if people want to connect with you, they, they know how to. Um, but thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. This was a lot of fun. Thank you again to Thea for sharing her story. I hope today's conversation helped inspire you. And if it did, please consider subscribing to this podcast, sharing it with others, and leaving a rating and review on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to check out my teachable course and coaching package all about how to change careers. Listeners to the podcast get a 20% discount with the code HAMSTER. Until next time, remember, there's always a way to get off the hamster wheel.